Hi everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show and thank you very much. This show is sponsored by Blockchain Terminal, a new tool for the hedge fund industry and institutional investors to confidently buy, trade, and invest in crypto. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron, and this is part two of the Howard Marks interview. In part one, we talked about Acclaim Activision, and we heard from Howard how he started those two companies and the background, the inside scoops to those companies, the companies that made some of my favorite video games when I was a teenager. Now, we're using that part one if you didn't listen please go back and listen to that as a stepping stone to why he created start engine and what he's going to do for icos and what he's doing for entrepreneurs and people trying to raise money and how he's going to make them compliant with some of the regulations that are coming out and the sec also he's going to tell you what he thinks about people who are trying to avoid raising funds in the united states let's see what he says but before that please go to crypto101podcast.com send us an email say what's up go to our patreon page the patrons are the backbone of our community thank you very much for being patrons we appreciate it new material will be coming out around once every 10 days or so to patreon just for you guys also please go to itunes and rate us subscribe leave us a comment it helps us a lot please listen on itunes as well or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. Tell your friends about us. Like, hey, they're pretty cool dudes. You should listen to them. Anyway, enjoy this interview with Howard Marks, and we'll see you after the show. Howard Marks, CEO and founder of Star Engine. How are you doing today, sir? So I started making investments. So I did about 20 a year. And some of my investments were great. There was these women who came from Harvard and started a company and they're like, great, I'm investing. This one, that one, I had, I had men, women, minorities. I had people who graduated UCLA, USC. Some people graduated from a community college. I had a very big, diverse group of people. And the reason is because I, I didn't see the bias that exists out there in, in the venture capital market. So it, there, there you know, is a bias? Women, it's a huge bias. Uh, venture capital only invests in white males from Stanford, frankly, mm-hmm. because maybe 4% of their investments go to women-led companies and minorities are not even on the map. Mm-hmm. But that was not my issue, frankly. Right. It's just something you I saw was, coming I into the market. I was gender right? blind, colorblind. I was blind to everything. I just liked great people. That's all I did. Right. And I was naive because truth be told, you probably – would do better if you just went to Stanford and just found the next Larry Page or whatever it was. But that was not my goal. Right. And my goal was L.A., frankly. So I did not invest in any company out of L.A. If, if people were outside of L.A., I didn't invest. Oh, yeah. that's and too bad. We're, came, we're incorporated in Delaware. So. <laughs> and, well, no, Delaware Incorporation is fine. It had to be based in L.A. In fact, I had teams fly in to meet me, and I said – I'm going to give you an offer. If I give you an offer tonight and you accept it, you move to LA the next day. That was it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So guess gonna... what? Most of those companies went out of business, 90%. And how do you feel about that? So, well, I was frustrated because, wow, they were great entrepreneurs and they tried to raise money. You know, I would set up those demo days. I would do all sorts of things for them. And guess what? 
no one would invest. Mm -hmm. I was the only investor, right? Mm -hmm. And they and got you, discouraged. So who who got discouraged? I'm sorry. Is it the They're investors or the entrepreneur? Okay, the entrepreneurs. No, the investors didn't go in. I was the investor. Mm -hmm. The investors didn't come in, and they got discouraged and they just quit. They just stopped. Right. Is that something? I mean, you've been through this. You've been through. You took investment from Steve Wynn. You've lost money before, right. before the Absolutely. before the wins. So when you were looking at this from the sole investor, were you just like, eh, this is what happens? You said you were frustrated, but you were you understandable, or you just like, nah, this is just not. We're, no, I'm not I, vetting I, the people I, right. I felt it was not right. I felt, you know what, the game is rigged. Hmm. This is not correct. Hmm. It shouldn't be this way. The fact that some of them were great companies, they should have raised money. They couldn't. It was too hard. And we got to do something about it. And were you seeing that these companies were minority or women-led companies that were not raising the money? Or was it just in general because of the tech, because of LA, because of the ideas? Well, all of the above. It was women-led, minority-led. The idea did not stick. They did not like the engineer. They didn't like the entrepreneur. They, you know, whatever. It was, oh, and, and by the way, at that time in 2012, there was very few funds in LA. Most of, there was one great fund called Upfront, and then a bunch of little things, and not much. Right. I think I think you know I I was very naive. I have to be honest with you. I made a lot of mistakes because I wanted to invest in entrepreneurs. I didn't go and try to figure out if this was a great idea or mm -hmm. not a great idea. You know, I just wanted to invest money and help them any way I could to grow their business. How did those fails or those filters evolve to become Star Engine today? And how is that playing into the ICO, the crypto, the blockchain, and your Star Engine ICO 2.0 conference and everything? How does this new experience, these fails, all dump into what you're doing now? Well, it has a complete relevance. And you know, sometimes the journey of an entrepreneur is interesting because everybody's trying to figure out what happens next. Because what happens next can determine the future. So as I'm pondering with these failures and out of 60, 50 are gone, mm -hmm. I'm saying to myself, you know what? We got to fix how people raise money. Mm -hmm. Because the idea that you have to go and pitch 50 companies of investors to get maybe one, maybe one, right? Mm -hmm. You spend all your time raising money instead of building. And then, so they want you to build and not raise money, but they don't want to give you money because you're spending all your time raising money. I mean, it's just right. crazy. And, you know, the bias is awful. It's cruel. It's just awful. So I said, you know what? We have to find a way to remove all the barriers and we have to find a new way to raise money. And just then, sometimes the stars do line up. Mm-hmm. The Jobs Act was voted in April 2012, signed by Obama. It's a bipartisan act. I looked at it and I read it. Okay, it's like the same thing. I read the Wall Street Journal to find out that the claim is going bankrupt. I read that we have a new financial act that no one in America cares about. Mm -hmm. Because at that time, everybody was all obsessed about the Affordable Care Act and the polemic around it and screaming and yelling and everybody up in arms. And there's this little thing coming out called the Jobs Act, and no one cares, right? Right. I read it, and I say, this is going to be a financial revolution. Hmm. And because how so? For the, because for the first time in 80 years, an ordinary person, Main Street person, can invest in high-risk startups. Mm -hmm. First 80 years. Mm -hmm. Why 80 years? Because in 1929, depression, right. Congress created the SEC right. to protect investors, Right. Right. Well, I mean, guess that was... what? Congress put a rule that said unless you're an accredited rich investor, you can't invest. 
Right. Actually, I'm going to ask you about this because as they say, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme. You had people like in crypto selling their house, <laughs> selling their cars, selling their whatever they had in 1920s, 1930s to, you know, invest in stocks. And they wanted to correct that. Now you have people selling their trucks and their cars and mortgaging their houses to buy Bitcoin. It's not a good well, thing. I, I agree with that, but I'm, I just want to let you know that the Jobs Act is a revolutionary financial transformation of our opportunity for the United States. Right. And here's why. Because the act says, under certain conditions, that one, you can now use the internet to solicit people, which means you can put an offer on the internet, which is never heard before. Mm -hmm. You can send it by email, you can do it on a podcast, you can do it on a video, YouTube, it's all permitted now. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. Secondly, it says, oh, and by the way, you can raise up to a million dollars easily just making a filing a notice with the SEC, and that's all done electronically. And now you can issue shares without giving people shares, their book entry, which means you don't have to deliver the stock certificate. Mm -hmm. So you can do ATM. You can do it very cheap. It's all in a database. So you can take people's money on a credit card, deliver them the shares on a database or as an email. Can you imagine? Mm -hmm. So now you're cutting the cost of delivering shares to pennies. Right. Like the ATM delivers you money for pennies. Right. It's revolutionary. And then they came up with more. Another thing that said, if you file with the SEC a document called the offering memoranda and they review it and then they qualify it, you can raise up to 50 million from anyone you want. Hmm. Okay. With some restrictions. And then the shares the next day are tradable. You can trade them anywhere you want. Hmm. What are they talking about? <laughs> this is incredible because the only way you can get this is going public. But you know who goes public. You have to go see Goldman Sachs and you have to be the elite of like Snapchat and raise $2 billion. I mean, it's a ridiculous system. So only the one out of 100,000 companies can go public. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what's everybody else supposed to do? Well, guess what? The Jobs Act solves it. Right. And Jobs Act doesn't explain how to do it. I had to figure out how to build this website and the plumbing. So that it all can get done. But the problem I had was I knew nothing about finance. That was not my background. I knew mm -hmm. games. But I knew technology because I'm an engineer. So as an engineer, I saw the problem more from an engineering point of view than from a financial point of view. So I started building the blocks. Oh, let's take credit cards. Oh, I know how to do that. Oh, let's issue shares by email. I know how to do that. Mm -hmm. Oh, let's put a website that scales and let's allow you to do things where you can put the video. So I created a platform. Right. So I launch in June 2015, and I needed a customer. And walks in this guy who has a car company called Elio Motors and says, hey, I need to raise money. I have 20,000 people who pre-ordered my car. I have no money to make it. I need money. Right. And I'm like, this is perfect. I launch <laughs> him, and we raise close to $17 million from 6,000 people. Nice. First customer. First first customer. And I say to myself, you know what? I think there's something here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then we do a few more. And then a new rule comes out where you can do the $1 million rule. So in 2015, we launched, I think, one or two companies. 2016, we launched 10 companies. Mm -hmm. 2017, we launched 80 companies. Wow. And this year, we're going to launch three to 400. Whoa. Now, 
keep in mind, this has nothing to do with crypto or ICOs. This is just a boring world of crowdfunding. Oh, so boring. You know, these are companies. What are these companies? Transportation companies like the electric bicycles. These are apparel companies, food companies, tech companies, gadgets, you know, all sorts of things, right? Mm -hmm. And then last summer, I think it was uh, in July, I'm traveling with my family, and I read, again, I read that the SEC, Security Commission, issues a bulletin saying that this thing called the DAO was a security. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what is the DAO? And then it mentions ICO, and I said, what's an ICO? I mean, literally, I did not know what this was about. Right, of course. It's, so it's, all, it's it. also new. So new. I read it and I start saying, holy, this is amazing. This DAO is raising, I don't know, raised 40 million from investors like I do, except it was done on the blockchain using Ethereum, right? And I said to myself, wow. And now they say that this is a security. And I'm like, I'm an expert at this now. I know how to raise money using the Jobs Act. Why not? convince ICOs to use a Jobs Act because that's legal. I mean, you can literally, for very little money, raise money from the general public, which mm -hmm. is what people wanted to do. Can we go through a step process? Because this is very interesting. If somebody had a company and they want to raise money and they want to go through Star Engine, what would be the process? What would be the first process they have to do? What would they have to show you? What would they expect? What would, fees would they pay? And where would it come out at the end for them? Well, very simple. They go to startengine.com. They click raise capital. They fill in a bunch of fields. They out attach their incorporation certificate and they attach their financials, you know, that kind of stuff. And then they click submit. And within 48 hours, they get a list of questions and comments. Mm -hmm. And if they, to the extent they can fill them correctly, they click submit again. Mm -hmm. And once they're approved, they're live and they can raise money. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'd say half the companies do it that way. The other half, hire us to help them do all the work, right? Mm -hmm. And they pay us 6%. Of, of whatever what they, they raise. They don't have to give you money up front. No, no, no. But some do, some do, because they want services. They want us to write the page. They want us to help them with the lawyers, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. Those people pay us $5,000 and we do all the work. Mm -hmm. Now, this is all great. It's a very cool idea because now we are talking about the 5 million companies in America who need capital. Mm-hmm. Versus the 4,000 that are financed by VCs. This is a big business. Think about it. It's a pretty big business. But the ICO story captivated me. And here's why. Companies were raising hundreds of millions. Tezos, 200 million. Mm. And I said to myself, this is an amazing business. It's not going to work because they're violating every law, securities law <laughs> possible. But it's are they? an amazing business. Oh, everything. I mean, it's, 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 it's insane. Because basically <laughs> they're telling people to contribute, but they're really investing because the next day they want to sell them on the exchanges. Right, know? right. But that's okay. Look, listen, I come from the game business. I understood in two seconds what this is all about. It's virtual currencies. Mm -hmm. Virtual currencies from the game business, that's what I did for years. Right. So I knew exactly how to deal with it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start writing articles and convince people to bring ICOs out of the shadows into regulation. That's all I have to do. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? I wrote it. I had a big conference in November of last year. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, Howard, yes, yes. And no one cared, literally. All the ICOs were like, no, we want to do utility tokens. No. And they had a good reason. Why? They're making money. If they were, yeah, they, they were getting tons of money. And all the exchanges loved it. And if they had to do something with securities, the exchanges wouldn't take it. Right? So no one would invest. 
So, you know, I was I was writing stuff that was really alarming. I said, look, you guys have to be careful. Entrepreneurs, be careful, you know, because if you raise a lot of money and things don't go well, you're liable, you know, and right. the SEC come after you and you can get the and investors can go after you mm-hmm. for fraud, you know, because you basically allowing people to invest without following the rules of the SEC. Mm-hmm. And I say, just follow the rules. It's so easy. In fact, easy for me to say because I knew about it. Right. I built a company around it, mm-hmm. but to them, that was like, right. I don't know. It's like learning Greek. Yeah. Right. Greek or Chinese. It's very hard. <laughs> so as I write all these articles, I'm having fun. Then comes the big moment. I think, I don't know. It's like Black Monday or whatever you call it. The SEC issues dozens and dozens of subpoenas. And a subpoena is basically a large envelope with a large, thick questionnaire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But if you read between the letters and the lines and the words, you realize you're not doing too well. You have to hire a lawyer <laughs> and spend a lot of money. And very likely, you'll meet with the SEC and they'll slip a little paper in front of you. And it's not fun at all. And now a word from our sponsor, Blockchain Terminal. The Blockchain Terminal, developed by New York-based CG Blockchain Incorporated, is a new tool for the hedge fund industry and institutional investors to confidently buy, trade, and invest in crypto. The Blockchain Terminal bridges the gap between institutional investors and the cryptocurrency market. By combining market data from over 60 exchanges, information about upcoming ICOs, and news from publications and social media, the Blockchain Terminal gives you a complete picture of crypto trading. Institutional investors may hesitate to invest in cryptocurrency. However, CG Blockchain's unique compliance guard technology creates a compliance framework, placing you in a secured and monitored environment. The Blockchain Terminal offers you a consolidated order book showing the price and state of the market across multiple exchanges and a consolidated wallet that allows single account to trade on multiple exchanges using third-party applications, including the Blockchain Terminal. This means you can access on the third-party applications thousands of available cryptocurrencies from over 60 exchanges. The blockchain terminal runs on a digital token to be issued by CG blockchain affiliate BCT Inc. This token is used to register and transact within the platform. The BCT Inc. token sale is available through the 30th of April 2018. Join BTC Inc. at tokensale.btc.io and visit the website btc.io for more information. Now, back to the show. And so two, two questions come out of this. First, what is the questionnaire? What are the uh, was the SEC trying to get out of that questionnaire? And two, when they or if they slip that piece of paper, what does that piece of paper say? Well, I'll tell you exactly what it is. The questionnaire is basically, oh, great. So I want every correspondence with investors. That's email. <laughs> that's paper. Uh, every transaction. I want to know who helped. I Every already event. know that no, none of these ICOs can even do that. So no, next no, question. Seriously. <laughs> seriously. And, and I, I, I want your bank statements. I mean, it's literally everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying to answer a subpoena, you probably have to hire a lawyer and spend $200,000. Holy shit. But then when you go to meet with them and the piece of paper is basically telling you the following thing. 
usually. I mean, I, I'm, you know, obviously they can vary it, but it usually says, okay, you're going to give everybody the money back. And that's called a rescission or disgorgement. You give everything back. Mm. And you can't sell securities for 10 years. Mm. And for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe you have to pay a fine. And, and look, if you don't have money, they, they won't take money. They, they can't bankrupt you, by the way. The, the regulators can't force you out of business or bankrupt you. Mm -hmm. They end up doing it anyway, but they can't invent what doesn't exist, right? They can't put you in debt. Right. So, <laughs> so basically, you get this piece of paper and you look at your lawyer and say, well, what would I do? He said, well, if you don't do this deal, they'll send it to the Justice Department. And then you're properly fucked. Then, then it's criminal. Right. So you went from not so bad... Not so good to criminal. Right. And, you know, look, that's how they work to the extent. But why go through all of this? These are entrepreneurs. These are ingenuity. These are people who, who are creating the next generation of technology for us. So qu question for you, because you just said about the questions. You said about the SEC. This, this is something that can work. In your honest opinion, there are companies still choosing not to deal with the SEC, not to deal with the United States, not to deal with United States investors. They're incorporating in Puerto Rico or I don't know where they're where they are in some Cayman Islands or some other country in the, you know, Czech Republic or something. And they still don't want to touch you, you US investors, UK investors. What is their purpose? Are they purposely trying to break rules to make it easier for them to raise money so it's easier for them to not do a proper business? Or are they just ignorant of the SEC rules? No, it's a former. And by the way, they're breaking not the laws of the United States. If they get any U.S. investor, they break the laws of the United States. But they get investors from France, Germany, Italy, Spain. They're breaking the laws of those countries too. Hmm. What do you think? Everybody's so naive. They're like, oh, well, now the U.S., okay, you know what? Avoid the U.S. and incorporate in the Cayman Islands. And by the way, Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, so... Okay. Not a good idea to go there for them, okay? <laughs> so, Noted. yeah, Cayman Islands. Cayman <laughs> Islands is perfect. The entire security laws are on one page. Perfect. Let's go to Cayman Islands. But, but the problem is this. You can't touch investors from outside of any country you touch investors from. If they have an SEC, which most do, you're liable. Right. So that doesn't solve anything. But they think, oh, people in France and Germany, they don't care. Or Russia or Poland Wherever. They don't care, right? They don't care. No, they do care. Mm -hmm. In fact, they're next on the list to care, right? Mm. So not following rules has consequences. I think the SEC got really sick and tired of issuing bulletins every week, every two weeks. And I wrote articles of each bulletin they wrote to the point they were like, okay, 
party's over. You're not t- treating us seriously. You know what? Now you are. And guess why? They all the subpoenas. Right. And overnight, I'm telling you, overnight, we had a deluge of business. Hmm. Overnight. Well, that's a good problem to have, uh, I guess. Yes. I mean, yeah, because, you know, <laughs> I want to help. Look, I want to help these entrepreneurs. Now, there's still a lot of problems with everything because even though they're using the Jobs Act, fully regulated, no problem. Mm-hmm. But we need to solve the secondary market where you can sell those security tokens, right? Right. And that's why I created this summit that is coming out next week on April 20th. And we're going to live stream this so your listeners can listen to it. We're going to be putting it in our channels. And our goal is to bring the whole industry together. That's the lawyers, the accountants, the marketers, the entrepreneurs, and the investors into one room mm-hmm. and talk about how we're going to get there, the path to liquidity. That's the theme of the ICO 2.0. ICO 2.0 just means doing it with regulation as opposed to ICO 1.0, willy-nilly, utility tokens. Right. Question about the ICO investors. And I want to just go back to that amazing statement you said that no, France, Germany, Russia, they do care. And we talk to a lot of ICOs and a lot of them say, oh, we're just not going to touch the U.S. investor. I mean, that's that's the common spiel and we're safe. But the U.S. investor or the investors or whoever they're from find ways to buy these ICOs and these ICOs raise money. Do you think, and this is for the average consumer, because to be honest, we don't know. We're talking about, you know, moms and pops, truck drivers, waiters and waitresses that might, you know, be be just thinking about investing. Now, this is their opportunity, and they don't know about the regulations. They don't know about any of these things that we just talked about today. They just want to, you know, invest in something and hopefully make a little bit, make a little return. Do you suggest to them if they are not incorporated or if they're not allowed to raise money from U.S. investors, don't bother? You're talking about the the entrepreneurs or the investors? The investors. Well, the investors in many ways, are doing what they do best is to find an ICO they're interested in by looking at it, reading the white paper, looking at the page. Now, unfortunately, for them to make an informed investment decision, Mm -hmm. they need more information, like the financials. Mm -hmm. Those are not available, by the way. Who owns what in the company? That's not available. The disclosures, the risks, all the things that in a normal offering document in the financial world is missing. The only thing they see is this. Oh, and sale ends in two days. Oh, if you invest now, you get 20% off. Right. Oh, by the way, here's the white paper. It talks about the technology and the vision. But or it's that's just a it. business plan. Well, most of the time, it doesn't even talk about financials. Sometimes right. it says, oh, we're going to market. Oh, and by the way, it spends all this time. Oh, we're going to list on this exchange, on that exchange, you know. Right. And frankly, that's not allowing people to make an informed decision. So these people you're talking about, the Main Street investors you're talking about, who are excited about the opportunity finally to be able to invest money the same way as the fancy venture capitalists or these fancy inv- uh, financiers, they're on the same level with them right now, which is great. But unbeknown to them, a lot of the advisors got 90%, got a percentage of the tokens for being an advisor. Right. Investors came in early, unbeknown to them, and got a 90% discount, unbeknown to them. And then the next group, unbeknown to them. I mean, come on. At this point, what's going on? Everybody is making deals behind the scenes. Nothing's been disclosed. And then now you're putting your money in. I would say it's not ethical. Okay. So I would say transparency is important. Mm-hmm. And that 
you have to tell people what to expect and they're not doing it. But is it, and so I think is it more than ethics? And taking a risk. I, I just want to know if it's more than ethics. And I'm not, I, this is not me asking, I'm just asking your opinion because we are still trying to figure out the space ourselves. You know, we have never seen this before. We've never seen a company like Tezos raise $200 million without even a freaking product. It, this is unbelievable, you know? So when they write these white papers and they, and they do these, you know, airdrops or these token sales or, you know, get 20% off, like you said, in these behind the scene deals, is this more than unethical? Is this illegal? It's illegal. It is not right. So these people are just playing out scamming and criminals. They're breaking the law. Mm -hmm. They're plainly breaking the law. And they're going to argue that they're not. Like Tezos is going to say these are contributions. They were not investments. But it's not true because the people who were contributing had no interest in using Tezos. They just wanted to own the coins so they could sell them. <laughs> I mean, come right. on. Right. And the SEC knows that. And they explained that. And guess what? They're on the list probably to get a subpoena. I don't know if they got it yet or they did, but now they have class action lawsuits against Tezos from the investors. Well, what do you think about the coins but, then? Like Bitcoin and Litecoin, they didn't, they're not doing ICOs and stuff like that. They're just like a right. position itself as a currency. That's, that's okay? Yeah, because Bitcoin never took money from anybody. It just produced coins and people, to the extent they wanted to buy and sell them, they could in the secondary market. But there was no primary offering. Right. But also, don't forget the past is the past. You know, Ethereum did an ICO. And right. I don't think the SEC really is going to go after them, frankly. Right. Well, Ethereum but has a product, they, first of all. Well, I know. But once they issued the DAO bulletin and said to people, hey, hold on a second. There's something going on. That's time zero. Anything after that, serious trouble. Right. Because you could argue before, okay, look, I don't know. I don't know. But the lawyers saw the bulletin, mm -hmm. and the lawyers is the first line of defense. They need to make sure that things are done the right way. Mm -hmm. That's their job. And by the way, the SEC reminded them of that job in several bulletins, mm -hmm. saying, you guys are important. They are important. So today, no credible lawyer will allow their client to issue a utility token. Now, it turns out you have people who are doing it anyway. And you have people who come from other countries who are doing it. You know, look, that's how it is. Eventually, it's only going to get cleaned up. But for now, that's how it is. Now, the SEC also issued a bulletin explaining that all the exchanges are illegal. They should be either registered as an exchange, which takes about five years to do. Mm -hmm. There are only 20 in the United States, 20. Or you become a broker dealer and you create an ATS, an alternative trading system, and you can do it. Hmm. Can you imagine? So... Guess what happens next? So the exchanges are going to get subpoenas. Um, subpoenas, exactly. <laughs> so we're, and, we're, we're talking, and just to be clear, we're talking about Bittrex and those other exchanges like that, uh, Binance, Poloniex. Right. right. But Coinbase is operating legally. Well, they're doing only Litecoin, Bitcoin, ETH, and, 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 Bitcoin, and Cash. Bitcoin Cash. Yeah. So you know what? Frankly, the way I look at it, yeah, it's okay. But by the way, if they want to continue, yes, but <laughs> yes, but okay, okay. Uh, come on, guys, let's 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 get serious here. So I think the Security Exchange Commission is going to talk to everybody, of course. And to the extent you're you're willing to play nice, they'll work probably work something, or maybe they won't. I don't know. Meantime, our summit on April twentieth is going to address all of this. Excellent. All of these de details are going to be discussed and live streamed for the world to see. 
Excellent. So frankly, you don't have to buy a ticket. You can just go and live stream. But if you want to buy a ticket and meet some of these extraordinary people, please do that. But I'm just saying it's going to be broadcasted for free for everybody to see. And who are some of these extraordinary people? Well, you got former SEC attorneys and litigators. You got uh, Patrick Byrne, who's the CEO of T-Zero. By the way, T-Zero is on our platform as well. You got Gil Pencina, who is a, a big ICO investor. Mm-hmm. You got Sarah Hanks, an incredible former SEC attorney who worked on Regulation S. I mean, she she's an expert in everything. It's, it's just mind-boggling how bright and sophisticated she is. I mean, these kinds of people. I mean, we have lots of people, 45 speakers. What's the goal? What do you want to get out of the, this this conference? It's just education of how to do things properly, how not to do shit illegally and, and be criminals? Well, exactly that. It's a how-to. Okay. Hey, here's how you do it. How do you, We have one panel called How to Structure an ICO 2.0. Awesome. We have another panel called The Path to Liquidity. Hmm. We have another panel How to Market an ICO 2.0. Hmm. <laughs> Hmm. We have a panel on airdrops because it turns out airdrops are probably security transactions. So Hmm. we're covering everything. Literally, we're covering everything. We're even deconstructing how things are built and reconstructing them. And we're doing that with the experts of the experts. These are people that if you want to see them, they would charge you thousands of dollars to do the work. But they're going to tell you at the summit their best practice, best knowledge so that people can learn and hire a great securities attorney and not make the mistake to hire the wrong one. Right, right. Would you mind if we go into some general questions about the space? We've just talked about your history and in, uh, in engine and Start Engine ICO 2.0 summits. What do you think about the crypto space in general right now? What are your thoughts? Are you, uh, the, the prices, the people, the hype, the bear market at the moment? What is your general feelings? Well, I, I am very optimistic. I'm not optimistic because I'm going to be one of the guys that tells you, oh, Bitcoin is going to be this price in six months. I, I, that's not interesting. Right. I'm optimistic for the simple reason that the Internet also went through a lot of corrections over the 1990s. But look at what it is today. Right. You had the dot-com boom and then the big plunge in early 2000. You know, yes, it was painful. But look what we got. And what's missing with the Internet today is security in transactions and monetary security. Right. All of that doesn't exist on the Internet. It has mm-hmm. to be built. And the people who created the first Bitcoin system, blockchain and Ethereum, these are extraordinary people. And they created what was missing in the Internet. They mm-hmm. created a second layer. And with that layer, I believe that you're going to see the next billion-dollar companies coming out of it. Now, will it be one of the ones we see today, or will it be some one that doesn't even exist today but comes out next year? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But for those who are interested in crypto and they stick with it and they and, and buyer beware of always do your homework, right? Right. Wow. It's going to be <laughs> extraordinary. I think it's going to revolutionize finance, real estate, transportation, shipping, anything that has a transaction that needs trust, security, it's just going to change. What is your entertainment of choice? Like we just talked about your history. We talked about what, you're, what you like, the, you know, the companies that you build, what you're interested in, uh, how, you're, how you're very much into Los Angeles. But what about you just personally? I mean, do you, are you a TV person, a book person, a music person? Well, 
Interesting. I would say I, I read a lot and I write and mm -hmm. I am interested in that. So I'm reading a, a book I just got today called The Selfish Gene. A friend of mine told me it was amazing, so I'm going to read it. But then I also play golf on the weekend. I have my kids. I enjoy being with them and giving them a lot of support. I met your son earlier. I yeah, just the audience. Brilliant future, young lad. He's a future hacker. I guarantee it. And then also, you know, on Netflix, I watch some shows. So there's not that much for me on TV right now. But, you know, I would say I'm reasonably relaxed at home. But when I wake up in the morning and I start my day usually at seven, I am focused. I'm passionate, resilient, uncompromising, and I go for it every day. Mm. And I have to tell you, I'm having so much fun. And the reason <laughs> nice. I am having fun is because I have an extraordinary team of people at Start Engine. None of them have ever worked in finance before. They're curious. They're learning. They're taking all their exams. They're on fire. And you will see that our summit next week, it's been produced by our entire team. And everybody in the company, we have 30 people. Mm -hmm. Every single person is working at the conference. Everyone, including the programmers mm -hmm. and engineers. And we are going to show people that we care and that we believe and we really want to make a change for the better because I think if we don't bring the ICOs into regulation, I really believe that it's just going to be eradicated by the SEC. I mean, really, it's going to be dissolved. Right. You're offering that path for people who want to do an ICO to do it properly. Right. They have a choice now. They to, do To have be a assholes choice. or to do it properly. And it's their lives. It really is their lives because once you get one of those SEC sanctions, it's visible everywhere. It's forever. Right. And yes, after 10 years, you can go back to normal, but you know, no one will ever invest with you again. Right. Why do that? Why ruin your career? For right. what? For money? Reputation, money? Okay. everything. Yes. Reputation. And listen, I care so much about entrepreneurs. So much. I don't want to give it hurt. Everybody's going to argue, oh, Howard, you're doing this to make money. And you're saying all of this because you don't want people to raise money cheaply and this and this and that and it's false it's absolutely false i'm doing this because my mission is to help entrepreneurs achieve their dreams mm -hmm. my mission is not to have them go to jail or get sanctions and, and and ruin the careers that is not my goal right now in the meantime if i can make money doing it great that's fine that's fair play and by the way my entire company is on Start Engine because I'm raising money on Start Engine for Start Engine. Mm -hmm. And so you're using a regulation A plus. You can see everything about us. You can see our expenses, our costs, who owns the shares. Everything is disclosed. Awesome. Everything. Howard, thank you very much for your time. I'm going to ask this last question really quick. We used to put songs that the interviewee wanted or liked on the interview. And they would have been like, you know, the intro song, the outro song and stuff like that. But uh, that's kind of risky. <laughs> so I, we have a Crypto 101 playlist. If I was going to add a couple songs from you to that Crypto 101 Spotify playlist, what would they be? It would be David Bowie, Life on Mars. Done. And then, let's see. You want a second song? I, I want as many as you want. <laughs> oh, I would put The Who, I Can't Explain. Okay. Obviously, I'm dating myself. I would put Talking Heads, Remain in Light. I mean, if we go back to David Bowie... Space Oddity is amazing. There you go. And cool. the man who sold the world. All right. 
All right, we're gonna put the, we're gonna put those on there. You know, we like to okay. do we like to Thank do this you. because it really shows the personality of the person that we're we're interviewing, and it's a really cool connection that you have with somebody when it comes to music. You know, it's like oh, okay. he likes that song too, so we really like it. Right, Howard. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. I hope you enjoyed this two-part series with Howard Marks. In the next episode, we're going to talk to Ricardo Spagni, Fluffy Pony of Monero. And if you're a Patreon member, you can go to Patreon right now and listen to it in its raw form. And like always, ApogeeCrypto.com, that's A-P-O-G-E-E, Crypto.com, the best place to check your real-time prices, and WhenMoon.co for your news. I'm Matthew Aaron. This is Crypto 101. And we will see you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.